Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Seth and Show Sports Radio here on Blog Talk Radio at BackSportsPage.com. Both Seth and I are on at the start of the show. This may be a first in a very long period of time that we're both here, we're both on time, and we're both ready to roll. So, Seth, well, except, yeah, except that, except that you are you're done 15 minutes early. So that's not quite it. So we don't have a full show for together. I am done 15 minutes early. You know what? Sometimes that just has to happen. Um, but today is one of those days. It is a beautiful day here in the land of the sun in um, in Arizona. It would be nice if I was able to find where the gas cap is for this car. But Oh, there it is. Anyway, um, but that being said, beautiful day here. I have escaped Atlanta for a couple of weeks, for a couple of days. Back tomorrow. It's always nice to see the family every once in a while. And uh, NHL trade trade deadline went off yesterday. Uh, The Yankees had a little bit of a setback today. And let's talk about that first. Seth, spring training upon us. And, of course, the Yankees who spend oogles and oogles of dollars. And it doesn't matter how much money you spend. When it comes right down to it, injuries are a fact of life when it comes to pitching. And the Yankees seem to always have those problems, starting off with James Paxson, who's out four to five months with a problem. And then Luis Severino today, it's announced that he will undergo Tommy John surgery and be out the rest of the year, if not most of of next year as well. Oh, I thought you had heard about this. Obviously not. Dude, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in busy season. I did not think you have a chance to look at to look at anything this afternoon. Oh, that is ugly. So, so while you have Garrett Cole, Masiro Tanaka, and then it's a whole pile. And I'm sorry, J J A Hap, and then a whole pile of then a whole pile of donkey dog is the way I look at it. Those Yankees look every year. We say that the Yankees are in trouble, and every year they come back and, and are fine. And they have Domingo Germain coming back after his uh, after his suspension, suspension. for for um, for domestic, domestic violence, which which we we certainly do not condone any which way. But he will be back after eighty games this year, and so they have some little depth. They're going to go with uh, Jared Montgomery for a little bit. And hope to plug the play, hope to plug the hole, but that's a big loss for those Yankees. Yeah, I did not know about that. I know uh, they've had a lot of, um, you know, they have some guys in, in, in uh, what do you call it, down in AAA, Flores. Um, I forget the other one off the top of my head, who I think they were hoping to keep for one more, or Garcia, excuse me, who they were hoping to keep for one more year. Um, but you know they may be he may be thrown in because look this is a team with massive expectations understandably so 
And losing your number two, now, to be fair, they didn't have Severino for most of last year. They still won 100 games with, and now have a bona fide ace. But it does make things a lot more difficult. There's no question about that. Yeah, and while the and while the Yankees always have the ability to go get more, right? They do. The, I mean, right. money-wise, talent-wise, they always got somebody that they can throw. And they certainly have a bunch of trade options, starting with Clint Frazier, if they wanted to uh, to to deal a bat. This is losing Paxton and Severino this early, the two and the three. From your uh, from your that's potential rough. starting step is, is rough. I mean, starting out that yeah. that's not the way you want your spring training to start by any stretch. No, there's no that is. Now I thought Paxton was supposed. To, I thought he was four or five months, but I thought that was two or three months ago. I didn't think it was four or five months from now. He'll, I thought he'll he was be back in back, August, give or take in June. Okay. Ooh. That's, yeah, no, uh, that is it's pretty, more like July August time frame. Yeah, it's more like July August yeah. time frame. And look, Paxson around the trading deadline would bring a a, a big uh, a big boost to that team. But at the same time, it's still you got to get out of the the dog days uh, or at at least the beginning days, well, the days that Seth doesn't pay any attention to baseball, which is April, May, hey. and June before you before you start true. going to July and August. And uh, that that is a tremendous, tremendous blow to the Yankees' spring training yeah. and and to the team, the team as a whole. Look, the team was supposed to be built this year on their offense. I mean, and their pitching, not necessarily their defense. Uh, their look, their bullpen is still fantastic, but you got to get you got to make a way to get to them. And the one thing that they were hoping for with the return of Severino, who has only pitched twenty innings in the last year and a half is the fact that they would not blow out that bullpen, which is what they did last year. Right. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you can talk all about that the Astros cheated, the Astros cheated, the Astros cheated. I get that. And, but at the same time, the Yankees didn't do themselves any help last year in blowing out that bullpen and not giving enough innings to their guys. So here you yeah, are but it, 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 with look, pretty it much difficult. the same is, problem. Yeah, it is difficult though when you're look. They, they, Severino is a borderline eight for, for a championship. Yes. There, he's a high end number two for a championship team. He had never proven to the point that he could be a number one for a championship team. So when he went out and you had a bunch of twos and threes. You know, that, that is why they spent $8 billion on Garrett Cole. And, you know, even though even the Yankee fans who kind of win sometimes at the, at the spending, you know, when you're getting a top pitcher in his prime, the top pitcher in baseball or top three pitcher in baseball, and his prime, you know, you got to spend, you do what you got to do. But the thought was you'd have a team, as you said, of literally Tanaka being your four and your fifth or half or some guys that they're pulling up from AAA, you felt very comfortable with that staff because Cole is, an, is a top eight, Severino is a top two, Paxton is a good, is a solid, solid high end three, half is a high end four. 
or excuse me, Tanaka is a high end four. So you felt very comfortable with that staff and even could survive one injury, but surviving two will be difficult. Yeah, to give you some idea, Cole pitched 212 innings last year, which is the most he's ever pitched. Uh, the two years before that, he pitched 200 and then 203. Uh, pitched with Pittsburgh, had some injuries here before with 116, and then had 208. So he's good for about 200 innings. But again, when you have guys like Tanaka, who we have talked about, we're just waiting for that elbow, right? I mean, it's been a it's been an issue since the very beginning. You're just waiting for that elbow to have that type of surgery. You have guys like Jordan Montgomery who have never pitched a full year. You have Domingo Germain who has never pitched a full uh, Domingo Germain who has never pitched a full year. You are taxing that bullpen. The the one thing that the Yankees needed more the one thing that the, the Yankees needed more than anything else this year was guys that could eat up innings. And Jay Happ is yeah. not that guy. He's 175 to 180 innings. And Look, while that is a good amount, got, got to pitch, you're going to need – They've got to pitch six to seven innings. They've got to have guys who can pitch six innings. And the problem is, you know, right. we all love CC, But by the end, CC was a five-inning pitcher. Tanaka, for, except yep. for in the playoffs. Now, look, Tanaka pulls his game up tenfold for the playoffs. Is a, was a, but during the regular season, was a five-inning pitcher. That's a problem. And, look, their, their bullpen is very cheap, even without Patanzas this year. But, as you said, eventually it does take a toll. So, you yeah. know, we – but, look, Cashman's been the GM there forever. He's not stupid. You have a, you have a guy in Frazier who that you pretty much decided you don't like for whatever reason. He has value. You know, you have Andrew Hart. You're going to trade, I think, either him or Andrew Hart. I think you have to at this point. So, you see, you know, you kick the tires a little bit. Look, the nice part is, as we said, there's no real rush to get it in. You know, they're going to be, I mean, look, I would rather them lose a couple games and not overtax the bullpen. But they're going, no matter what, they're going to be in the with that offense. They're still going to be in the running come July, August, even if they're not, you know, if they're if they're two or three games back instead of ten games up, they'll still be right there. So you'll have time for Carson to come back. You'll have time to make a run at a pitcher, whoever that may be, and we take it from there. Yeah, and I think you're I think you're right in the fact that not only is that offense going to provide a whole lot of support for that team, but if you're going to if you're going to have a, lose a pitcher, this is the year to lose it, especially in that division, because you're looking at Baltimore is, is nothing, right? Toronto is on their way up, but not there yet. They're still uh, with, with Bichette, Biggio, and, and Guerrero. They're probably a year away. And we'll get into our baseball preview probably in two weeks. Um, and then you have Boston, who's admittedly taken a step back this year. So if you're yeah. going to have an injury, you, you still have to worry about Tampa Bay. How Tampa Bay does it still is beyond me every single year, the way that they do it, but they do. And you know that they're going to be there with 90 wins. Uh, you need to be in the race, and being in the race for pitchers accumulating 180 innings a year. You need 1,000 innings, give or take, out of your starting staff. 
and yeah. you got to assume that that's not five games pitchers. Times anymore. Six yeah, right. It's not. It's not it's five not. pitchers anymore. Right. You're always going to have an injury. You're always going to have a swing man. You just need a thousand innings, and the way you can put those thousand innings together is up to you. But with the Yankees, this makes it a lot harder with because they were counting on 170 to 180 innings out of both Paxson and out of Severino, and they're getting zero out of Severino and probably only 90 to 100 out of Paxson. So it just makes it a little bit more difficult. That's all. And uh, so, so we we've talked a little. We talked last week about the cheating scandal. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that going forward because major, major source of contention this year when, as as you said last week, I don't want to be a Houston Astro coming up because I'm going to get beat, right? And actually, the Vegas has put odds on who's going to get beat first, <laughs> which which I'm not sure. Look, you, you laugh, and, and I get that, but – We've all seen beanings go the wrong way, right? And and taken yeah. careers from beanings. So I mean, we look at it that way, and you're saying, "Oh, it'll be funny that they're taking odds." But beanball has never been to the point of hurting people. And even when it's back with Pedro Martinez throwing up and high, he was always hitting people in the back. He wasn't. I don't think Pedro ever hit anybody in the head. And the the venom that is being displayed in Major League Baseball throughout right now is ridiculous. I mean, it is it is as high octane oh, as I've I, ever heard. I think there's a two there's twofold. I think number one, it's a reflection on our society in general at this point, where you have a polarization of the country, and there's just anger. There's residual anger everywhere. And I think this is just one way to get it out. And number two, it's actually giving baseball, although not good PR, it's giving baseball more whatever you want to call it than anything it's had in the last 10 years. Now, Yeah, but here's the thing. I'm not sure it's bad. Because baseball, look, Baseball, while not a niche sport, it is still a solid number, I would think. But it is a way down number three. And yep. nobody has talked about baseball in the last 10 to 15 years that I can remember in the city with any national relevancy like it has been now. Now, I'm not saying it's because of the best of circumstances, because obviously it's not. But at least it's being discussed. Otherwise, it, it borders on irrelevancy. During I gotta tell you, I've year. never thought about. I had never thought about it in the in the in the first way that you just spoke about it. That the country has anger, so this is where they're putting it. Expand upon that a little more, because I'm I'm, a, I'm not confused. I understand it, but I I don't. Maybe I'm just not getting where you're going with it. Well, I just look. If you go on Twitter or Facebook or any of these things, there is an extraordinary amount of anger in this country. There's no way out. There's no other way to put it. Like Trump, dislike Trump, call it whatever it is. Like Sanders, dislike Sanders. 
And things that were never as outwardly blunt, for lack of a better term, have become acceptable. Being angry at Houston is acceptable. Death threats against them are not. No. And this is what you're seeing. What I think this is, is this isn't... I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's pretty much a reflection on our society at this point, where you have so much anger and hatred that is that is just... And this you know, in other years, if this had happened, it would have been a story. There would have been fights and issues and it would have been discussed on sports radio ad nauseum. And then it would be people would move on. But everyone's a tough guy behind Twitter, behind some weird avatar that nobody ever gives a crap about. And people post shit, pardon my French, that they would never say in person or never do. So everyone's a, everyone's a tough guy. So they can say all these things and get away with it. Right, but you're, hold on, but you're hearing this from baseball players, too, and they're not hiding behind Twitter. They're saying this, like, no, you're my I'm not talking about the, you're but I'm not talking about the, I'm not talking about the baseball players. I mean, look, they're okay. privy to the, to the, they're privy to the division within the country as well. But look, if, if I were, there's never been a scandal quite like this either. Now, whether, you know, where you're going to have lawsuits from people who lost jobs because Houston beat them, and now it may have been because of this, because of that. You know, people are losing jobs because of this. People are losing careers because of this. So I understand the anger from the baseball player standpoint. But they're not, but Mike Trout's not giving a death threat to Carlos Correa. No, correct. So you have the anger from the baseball players because in their minds, they've been playing on one field, and the reality is the Houston's been playing on another. Their anger is justified. As a fan, as a Yankee fan, do I believe that Jose Altuve was really covering up a tattoo? No. Does anyone really believe that? Probably not, unless you're a Houston fan. But at a certain point, I have a life. (laughs) <laughs> for lack of a better term. And for people who are threatening, you know, these people, look, you want to go and boo, go boo. All in favor of it. But you don't cheer when someone gets hit in the head and you don't give death threats to them and their family. And that, to me, is based on the anger that's in this country. I don't know okay. we would have seen that 10, I could 15 see that. years ago. Okay. That, look, that's fair. I don't think you have the. I don't think you have the mechanisms. I think a lot of that also comes from the fact that, look, 50 years ago, Seth, if you and I wanted to reach, let's go 50. What are we? The, the 2020. So 50 years ago is what 1970. Neither one of us was yeah. alive, but let's say we wanted to reach. We wanted to reach Pete Rose, right? The only way that we right. could reach Pete Rose was to send a letter to the Cincinnati Reds. Right. And say, would you please deliver this to Pete Rose, right? And maybe, <laughs> maybe it got there, right? I mean, uh, you never know, right? Probably it got to a clubhouse attendant who sent you a baseball exactly. card or sent you a signed ball that really wasn't signed by Pete Rose. But 
to you, when you got it back, you thought it was the greatest thing ever, right? Because you were a kid yep. and you wanted a baseball. Now you have direct contact with people, right? I mean, I'm not saying that's better or worse. It just is. You have a different medium in which you can, you're, you're no longer sending the ball. You're sending a DM or you're sending a, a tweet directly to that person. And nobody more so than our esteemed president, look, President Trump, and I say President Trump because you respect the office, President Trump has utilized Twitter as well as any person in history, bar none, not even close. He is better, he has used it better than anybody else. I'm not saying he's, he's used it for good. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but he certainly has used it effectively. And I think he has shown people that they can have an effect using social media more than anything else. And, again, you're right. I think you have a a medium, a mechanism in which you could do this so you show your anger, rightfully or wrongfully, you do, or you show your opinion, rightfully or wrongfully. And I, I never thought about it the way you just phrased it. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. I'm not really sure it would have died. Not really sure it would have died as quickly as you probably think it would, or Rob Manafort thought it would, or Jim Crane thought it would. But I, I get your point. It probably would not be as big of a story as it is today. But I don't think most things would have been as big a stories as they are today without the media in which you have. So, I agree. That's a, so let's talk about that. See, so let's switch gears a little bit. You have a medium in which you can say whatever you want if you are an athlete. We, we've already acknowledged that. And Joe Burrow today was asked whether he would play for the Cincinnati Bengals. And his response was something along the lines of, if they draft me, I'm going to play for them. Not exactly a ringing endorsement of the Cincinnati Bengals. There has been no case in which Jim Bur- uh, Joe Burrow, I keep calling him Jim for some reason, Joe Burrow, has stated he won't play for the Bengals. But if you're Joe Burrow, Seth, do you look to pull a power play similar to Eli Manning and say, you know what, I just don't want to go there? No. Um. First of all, I don't. I actually don't think it's the worst team to go to. Um, they have, you know, they have they have some talent there. Forgetting how bad last year last year was an was I don't want to say an anomaly, but the team's not the, the cover is not bare there. You know, they had Jonah Williams, they did their first round pick from last year, who was hurt the whole year. Mixon's a good running back. Boyd's a good wideout. You know, they'll get something for A.J. Green, or if they keep him, then you have even more value. Like, this team went to the playoffs five times in ten years. Neither of our teams did that. You know, now, are they cheaply run? Yes, we know that. Are they badly run? Yeah, well, I don't know. They're, they're cheaply run. I don't know how badly run they are. Um, but this guy has the unusual opportunity to be a hero in his home, not hometown, but home state, where and where you have a guy, 
or you have a coach who either this year will will deter will be determined whether he is the quote unquote offensive guru that they thought they were hiring, or they will bring someone else in. That's a three year deal. We know since he's not going to eat a five year deal, but they would eat. A, I think they would eat one year. So, I I I don't I don't I don't think it's justified. Then again, I, didn't, I don't know why anyone would ever not want to play in San Diego. Dude, you get to live in San Diego. You play with you play with Damian Tomlinson. Seriously, and Antonio Gates. I think he was there at that point. Like, really? <laughs> it beats 45 degrees well, and raining in New York City any, 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 any day of the week. Well, and let's, well, let's understand that San, the, the 20 years ago. Deal. I got it. I get it. No, 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 no. I was going to go even more. Twenty years ago, remember, the the marketing dollars were not the same in San Diego as they are in New York. Right. They just weren't because the technology wasn't there. Now you can make the claim that Kevin Durant, wherever Kevin Durant is, that's why it didn't matter what market Kevin Durant was going to. He was still going to make the same money, and he's still going to have the same marketing marketing ideas. He could have gone to he could have stayed in Oklahoma City and still gotten the same sneaker deal. It wouldn't have mattered. Because it markets really don't matter anymore with the with with the internet and with uh with globalization of marketplace. Wow, look at me using an economic term. Um, I was gonna it doesn't say. really matter anymore. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So you would not that go was pretty okay. awesome. so you you I would thank you. I would go to so you would not What's that? I would play. I think they'll play. I would play too. I, 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 if I'm Joe Burrow, I would pull a power play to get himself to Miami. I think it would happen. I think he could do it. And I'd be interested to see it. I get what you're saying that he will be, he will be the face of that franchise. But let's think about all the other faces of the Cincinnati Bengal franchises that did not pan out, including Achilles Smith, who I just think who, let me ask, let me ask you this. If Achilles Smith and, and Donovan McNabb switch places and Achilles Smith winds up with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb winds up in Philly. Winds up in Cincinnati. I think Donovan I'm sorry? Oh right. Donovan winds Achilles. up in Cincinnati. Right. Achilles winds up with Andy Reid in Philly, and Donovan winds up in Cincy. I'm not sure you have any different of a, of a scenario than you did, except it flips. I really don't. I think I think that I think organization is so is so poorly I run. I think that's insane. Okay. Uh, Do you think Smith, it's just because Achilles Smith was Achilles Smith? Yeah. You pretty much you're saying that a borderline Hall of Famer and a guy who made it literally two years in the NFL, if they switch spots, well, the other one would be a potential Hall of Famer and the other one would have played two years? That's nuts. No. Now, would McNabb have had the same career as Cincy as he did in, in Philly? No. Andy Reid is a great coach. Would Achilles Smith have, a, have had a better chance to succeed in Philly than he did in Cincy? Yeah, but at no point did Achilles Smith ever seem to be a NFL quarterback. 
just the way it played out. You know, Carson Palmer, for all his bitching and moaning, you know, now, Carson Palmer was a good quarterback in Cincinnati. He was not a failure. And look, if he doesn't get injured in that playoff game against Pittsburgh, I'm not sure that team doesn't go to that team doesn't go to the Super Bowl. So, now again, it, it was a first round playoff game, but that team was very, very good. If you remember, yeah. So yeah, that Chad Johnson, that TJ Hushwahu, Hushmanzada, yeah, TJ Hushwahu, which may have been the greatest draft commercial ever, but TJ Hushwahu, yeah. No, I get, I get it, I get it. But and remember, you're talking to one of the biggest Donovan McNabb fans there is, right? I mean, look, I'm that guy, right? Syracuse born and bred, but but I truly believe that Cincinnati organization is. You go back and you look at their first round picks, and you say, David Klingler. You, I mean, you can go back to yeah, years I get it. and see how how much of their first round picks just do not pan out. And it's not because nobody else would have picked Achilles Smith and nobody else would have picked David Klingler where he was picked. Like if it wasn't going to be Cincinnati and it wasn't going, if Cincinnati didn't have the third pick, and let's say Detroit had the third pick that year, I have no doubt Detroit would have picked Achilles Smith. How many times has it, how many times has the Jets gone to the Super Bowl? Zero. Well, once. How many times have the Bengals gone to the Super Bowl? Twice. How many How many times have the have the Jets gone been in the been in the playoffs in the last fifteen years, give or take? Five. Six. Hold on, but I'm not saying you shouldn't pull a power play if it's the Jets either. <laughs> I never said that. So, I just said you pull it when you're so pretty much when you're a Bengal. But you're the, saying, look. Unless you get rid of the draft, which is a whole other discussion, unless True. they decide to get rid of the draft, this is what's True. been collectively bargained. Correct. And to me, unless there is, you know, if, if the Clippers were owned by Donald Sterling still, and Blake Griffin didn't want to go play for Donald Sterling, that power play I get. But, you know, where is it? Where, so then what happens? So then they take Tua. So, my, so since he tra- Miami trades four to one, they end up with Herbert or Tua, wh- whoever it is. Now, they're going to pull a power play? So is, every, is no one going to play for Cincinnati? Like, it's, it's illogical to me. Okay. By the way, you can only really play the power play if you're the first overall pick, right? Why? Your salary is Because if you're not... Salary is set. That is true. So what power play am I... Like, if I'm the number four pick and I don't want to go to Cincinnati... Hold on. But the difference is, if you're the first pick, right... You can play the power play right now. Like, you don't have to wait till you're on the clock. You can play it today. You can say, I'm not playing with those guys. Because you know who the first pick is, right? Tua, you can't play it at four. 
because after the draft, you lose so much leverage to begin with. Even during the draft, you lose leverage. That's why Eli couldn't play it. Eli played it at one. Rivers couldn't have played it at four or whatever it was. Was it four? It was four, right? And Roethlisberger won 11. Yeah. You can't play it. You can't play Oh, I don't know where Sean went. Um, so I guess he can. We can continue. Pretty much, I guess by you by you hanging up, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> so until he gets back on the phone, um, I guess I'll keep going. You know, I just don't see it. I also find it would find it amazingly hypocritical. For you to for him to give in his in his phenomenal Heisman speech that a kid from Southeast Ohio, you know, if he can do it, then anybody from Southeast Ohio can do it. And when he gets drafted by a team from Ohio, he decides he doesn't want to play for them. Not exactly inspirational, um, but we'll see how that plays out. So, I guess while we're waiting and. Since I have the last 15 minutes to myself, um, I was going to wait on the fight until after Sean gets off because Sean is not Sean is not really one for uh, one for um, you there. Hello. So, I have no idea if Sean is on the call or not, since I'm driving at this point, and I'm not controlling the computer, controlling the phone, or controlling the uh, uh, the board. But so anyway, what I'll do is I'll just talk about the box. I wanted to talk with him about the NHL free agency. That's his his domain, not mine. I have no idea who this guy that the Islanders picked up is, but did they trade it half of their? They almost traded a, you know, Ricky Williams trade for him for a guy who scored 15 goals so the part of this year. So I'm a little bit baffled by that. Um, so I guess we'll talk a little bit of boxing. And most of the most of the pundits, and I am a pretty big boxing guy, although I didn't get the fight, because pay $80 to see a horrendous undercard doesn't mean a hell of a lot to me at this point. Now, Tyson Fury... Okay, so I'm really not sure. Seth, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, I can hear you now. So it seems like I am now dialed in twice, but whatever. We couldn't hear you twice. So what I, my original question was, 
it seemed like the Devils are waving the white flag, which they should be doing at this point. I can't hear what you said. All I heard was the last four words. It seems like the Devils should be wa- the Devils are waving the white flag, which is exactly what they should be doing. Yes. Okay. I agree. The Islanders are making. The Islanders are making trades. The Rangers are making trades. The Rangers are giving up a lot of stuff. And, unfortunately, it looks like this may very well be the end of the road for Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, He has not played well. He has not played often. And this might be the year of the end of the king in New York, at least the king in hockey. A very interesting trade deadline yesterday. Zach Parisi was on his way back to New York, and then suddenly he wasn't. Um, That would have rocked the NHL world, but it just didn't happen. And now is the time for – look, if you're you're hoping to watch some hockey, now is the time. Islanders-Rangers tonight at uh, 8 o'clock – yeah, 8 o'clock Eastern time. uh, No, 7 o'clock Eastern time, 5 p.m. whatever time zone I'm in which I'm not exactly sure what time zone that is. But it's two hours the other way. So we talked about the NFL. We talked a little bit about the NFL, a little bit about the NHL. I think we need to talk a little. Uh, I'm not sure you caught any of the Kobe Bryant um, I saw memorial yesterday. Did you? I, saw Did you? I, was, I, was very, I was very impressed, um, not only by the entirety of it, but by the speeches that were given, particularly that of Michael Jordan, you don't see that side of Michael Jordan very often. Uh, the sympathetic, empathetic type. Um, I love the comment about the meme that he'll have to endure yeah, for the next five years. But I think, Seth, I think he nailed it. And, uh, again, you don't get to see that much of Michael Jordan in a public persona anymore. Um you were so used to him on the court, and then he became an owner and basically flipped the switch to the to the dark side. Very moving ceremony all around. It was. Um, it was at times funny, the crying meme, the Shaquille O'Neal speech. Um, I thought uh, Vanessa Bryan was wonderful. Um in her in her speech, which must have been extraordinarily difficult to give, you know, one ever wants to bury a daughter, let alone a, a husband. Um, I, I caught most of it. I thought everyone, I thought everyone was extraordinarily articulate. What I found so interesting was you had three of the mainstays of women's basketball that came into play. Um, that that spoke, and that kind of. You know, it seems that Kobe, now we, I don't think any of us really knew this, but he really seemed that his next goal was to build women's basketball, to, you know, to single-handedly almost build up women's basketball. And he was apparently the world's the biggest advocate on the major stage for the WNBA and for all these other teams. You know, and, and, and you saw this with, you know, you saw who spoke. Who spoke? Gino Oriema, greatest women's coach of all time. Diana Taurasi, probably possibly the greatest women's player of all time. And Sabrina Inescu, who may be the best college player, he's the best college player in the country. And last night was the first person to ever score 2,000 points, have 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists 
in a career and knows it knows where the speakers and that was not what you would have anticipated or what I would have anticipated a month ago you know if, if I knew that this you know that this tragedy was coming in this uh, memorial was coming to volition so I thought that was interesting I thought it was wonderfully done you know there's look there's no positives there's no there's nothing good coming out of this. You can all you can do is show the respect, you know, show him the respect that was earned. Now, was he perfect? Obviously not. But you know, to a lot of people, he meant the things, and you know that was reflected pretty well last night. Yes, I Yeah, I think I think the women's basketball thing, like you said, was was very poignant. And that having those three women up there, and who said it? who was the one that went after the? Oh, it was G, was it Gino? Yeah, Gino Ariyama went up after it was Vanessa Bryant after Tarasi and after and I can't remember her name. So the Oregon point guard, our Oregon player, uh, right? And the first thing he said was, "Man, we have some terrific women up here, don't we?" And I thought that yeah. was tremendous. I, I, I thought it was a tremendous line. And Gino Oriyama being up there shocked me. I didn't think that was uh, – if you picked 100 people and he was one of them, I would have probably put him at the bottom of the list of people I would have thought would have been on there that would have yeah. been speaking. Same with me. Um, but like you said, I think it, it speaks volumes to what Kobe wanted. And if nothing else, this will draw more attention to it. Uh, I Look, Kobe would have been a tremendous um, champion for the women's game. He obviously already was. But this will bring more attention to women's basketball. This will continue that drive towards, look, I don't think you'll ever get equal pay. I really don't. Uh, no. I don't think you'll ever you'll get equal uh, marketing. I don't think you'll get any of that because the money coming, the money going out, is not the same as the money coming in when it comes to the WNBA. But the respect that you get on the court, certainly. And uh, I mean, Tarasi said it best, right? Uh, the eleven, the eleven-year-old fadeaway for Gianna, right? Man, LeBron doesn't even have that. I mean, that was the funniest line of the entire... I was surprised they didn't pan to LeBron. And then I thought he what they would have said... He, wa- he I, wasn't... I, I, he wasn't... He was there, but he wasn't in the... Uh, he wasn't in the outside arena. He was in another area. That's oh. why they couldn't pan to Oh, okay. Because I would have been surprised because I, I was surprised that we didn't get to see his reaction. And I'm like, I'm not sure I would have wanted to have seen his reaction. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a little diss on Tarasi. But it was, like you said, very well done. Look, Kobe is 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 one of those guys that that not only men but women also looked up to. You saw two of them yesterday with Tarasi and, and with the Oregon guard, and it was phenomenally done. By the way, I will be on for the rest of the show. Um, I made some arrangements while we were having that uh, technical difficulty, so. But the fact of the matter, and if you'd like to call in, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. It looks like we are not connected for some reason. 
No, host. So you and I are just having a conversation? We might be. (laughs) Hold on. Yeah, we are. Hold on. I got to call back in. (laughs) You and I are having a conversation. Okay, so we're back on. Seth, you on? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so we're not sure how much you've made and how much you missed in the last five minutes because you seem to be having some technical difficulties. But that being said, we were talking about Kobe Just Bryant like the good old and days. the effect that he had. Yeah, the, like the good old days. Technical difficulties, neither one of us knows what we're doing. But now we're back. And we've been doing this for eight years, and you would think we might know what the heck we're doing by now, but not so much. <laughs> uh, well... It's funny because just like I don't remember who said it in the in the I think it was Gino Ariyama who said you know Kobe was once the oh it was Jordan Kobe was once this brash guy right and he worked and he worked and he's worked and he continued working and he put everything into it and he's still the fun loving guy but now he transformed to a father and as much as Seth and I wish that at times that we were back sitting in his couch in, in, in a very dirty couch uh, on 86th street or 80, 80th street <laughs> and third Avenue and third Avenue. Um, Can you stop talking about us sharing a couch, sharing a dirty couch? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Watch. Well, okay. Watching Kobe lose to no beat the Celtics. If you remember that, and Ron Artest thanking his psychologist, which I remember. you and I, well, we, we watched that, that game together, and we've come a long way. And so uh, what Jordan was saying was, you know what, Kobe did his thing as, as, a, as a player and now is doing his thing as a parent. And we, we did our thing when we were 30 years old and, and we lived in New York, and now – Seth's doing his thing as a parent. I'm doing my thing in Atlanta. And times change, but the the joy of doing what we do still stays the same. And that's where we're at at this point. Uh, the joy of sitting in traffic is never something I will enjoy. But it is what I am doing right now uh, on my way up to see have, my mom and my they brother. Have traffic. They have traffic in Arizona? They do. Um, this 60 mile. The, the difference is... It happens in spurts, so this 60-mile trip will take me 96 minutes. Ugh. So, it'll, it'll, yeah, it, it, it's a lot. <laughs> so, the thing about Arizona is nothing is – so, in New York, everything is maybe like five or six blocks away, and it may take you 20 minutes to get to those five, six blocks. Here, you're starting at 20 miles. So, the minute you want to go anywhere, you're starting at 20 miles. So, if you are so – you're automatically starting at 20 minutes. Then tack on the rest. So right now there is a a mile long delay that is uh, causing a 13 minute delay on the road. But you know what? That's just the way it is. It's no big deal. It's just traffic. And there are worse things in the world that happened. And um, yeah, and that's where we're at. So 
We have our baseball preview coming up in a couple of weeks. Seth, I have not been following college basketball. have to tell you, hasn't been on my list. Syracuse has played like donkey dung for a very long period of time. Um, March is coming up. March Madness is coming up. The, the conference tournaments are a couple of weeks away. Who do we need to be looking at that's a little off the radar? Which of the teams that I, I know you've been in the middle of tax season, but this is never far from your thoughts. Who, who do we, coming up on conference tournament play, don't give me the Dukes, the Kansas, the, the, the Butlers. Give me a give me a sleep give me a sleeper here. Who should we be if we're going to look at one team coming into coming into the next two weeks that you think can make a run in the tournament? What team should I be watching? Well, there's a couple. I mean, I'm still going to go Big Conference because, you know, to be honest, that's since I, I do work a lot of hours during this time of year, I don't watch the mid majors very often anymore. But I will say BYU looked really, really good Saturday night when they whipped Gonzaga. Um, Mark Pope has a good team out there. They're big. They're physical. You know, again, it's a hell of a home field advantage, home court advantage, which they're not going to have. I think they're very good. I think Seton Hall is excellent. Um, you know, they're top 10 to 15. But really, they've been top 10 to 15 – with Miles Powell, you know, injured part of the year, their big guy injured part of the year. They are a tough team under Kevin Willard. I think Penn State is very good with their All-American Lamar Stevens, who is a monster. Um, Pat Chambers put together a nice surrounding cast for him. Um, I think this is, I really think this is an open year. Um, I think Kansas will be the favorite going in, as they should be. But, you know, Kansas has been pretty much the favorite for the last 15 years, and they've won one for the last 25 years. And they've won one title. So that that doesn't mean very much to me. Um, I haven't seen enough of San Diego State to really know. I saw a little bit of their loss on, on Saturday night, on Saturday. Um I think the ACC is bloody awful. I watched LSU, Florida, uh, Louisiana, Louisville, Florida State. I don't know what's happened to Louisville. They had a 15-point lead. They fell apart. Florida State is Florida State. They're always athletic. They always seem like they're always that seven seed who somehow makes the final eight and loses. I don't think anyone has a feel for this tournament this year. Um, well, I talk, think the talk, ACC is, talk to me about talk to me about Rutgers. Talk to me about Rutgers. Because all I hear from, Rutgers, the, from the Garden State is that Rutgers has a great team this year. Now, that's compared to the past, where it has not been all that great. But are we looking at a tournament team? And if so, how yeah. far can this team go? They can win two games. Um, Ron Harper Jr. is their, is their star offensive player. They are a, they are a very well-put-together team. Um, Steve uh, Picknell, I, I forget where he comes from. I forget if it's Mount St. Mary's or Robert Morris, one of those from like the MEAC or the, or the, or the MEAC. Um, they're a very tough defensive team. And, you know, what I've noticed over the years is especially in the first round of the tournament, a lot of nobody shoots the ball well. So then a lot of these 57 52 kind of games, 
and that'll suit Rutgers fine. Um, they're not talent. They, they can't, they're, I think they've lost only one game at home this year to Michigan. And Michigan has been alternate, you know, has been, you know, up and down. Is you know, the, the, they're a tournament. Everyone, to be honest, everyone in the Big Ten except for Northwestern, and I'm probably forgetting one other team off the top of my head, and Nebraska, are a potential tournament team. And Nebraska probably should have beaten Maryland at Maryland two weeks ago. So it's the, the most, it's funny, the most, what may end up being the most interesting you know, award would be Big Ten Coach of the Year because you have five guys who have done phenomenal jobs this year. Turgeon, Fignell, Chambers at Penn State, Underwood at Illinois, and I'm forgetting the fifth off the top of my head, but Juwan Howard's done a nice job. I mean, they've everyone in the Big Ten has really overachieved, which is why you're watching them. They're beating the living crap out of each other right now. And I don't think there's a Final Four team there. Michigan State is just underachieved. I think Maryland, and I've said this all along, Maryland is one player short. They need a six. They need a six-nine guy who can play twenty minutes and get five or six rebounds and five or six points and take some pressure off of off of uh, off of off of Smith. Um, I think you're going to have a really really interesting tournament because unlike about eight or nine years ago when there was a tournament and there was no definitive favorite, there was the year UConn beat Butler and the, the and the tournament was horrendous. I think this one's going to be good. Because I think there's some good ball being played right now. I just don't think there's a definitive favorite other than Kansas, and I can never trust Kansas to do anything in the tournament. All right, so we got we got our final five. So go ahead. Well, first of all, congrats to Tyson Fury. What a hell of a performance that was against Deontay Wilder. I mean, he was a fifty-fifty fight, but nobody really thought he would knock him out. You know what? He said he would, he did, and then he sang American Pie. What more could you ask for? And now that leads up to the first monster heavyweight fight in a long, long time. And possibly the biggest fight in the history of the U.K., when inevitably he's going to fight Anthony Joshua for the unified heavyweight title. And you're going to have – it's such a contrast of styles. Anthony – you know, Joshua, who looks like a bodybuilder slash model, you know, Tyson Fury, who looks like he's 30 pounds overweight, fights more awkwardly than anyone I've ever seen. And it's going to be a fight and a half. And they're going to make, they're going to have it, I think, with this summer. And they're going to have 90,000 at Wembley. If they could a million there, they probably would be able to. So it should be a blast. So I think that'll be great. Uh, Deontay Wilder, don't wear don't wear a fifty pound uh, costume to, to to walk to the ring. It's kind of just kind of dumb. And uh, happy happy birthday to Mitch, forty five years old. Who the hell knew he'd make it that long? Well done, sir. Well, number one, ladies and gentlemen, Seth was talking about boxing. In case anybody didn't recognize that, it was it wasn't MMA. He referenced heavyweight numerous times. He referenced that somebody knocked somebody else out. He was talking about boxing. So if you're if you're interested in boxing matches, 
it looks like the U.K. is the next best place to go um, as there's nothing in the U.S. as far as boxing is concerned. So, so there you go. Just as a reference, it was boxing. Um, spring training pitchers and catchers are reporting, this is fun time for me. I enjoy that time. I enjoy seeing people once said that the best thing about spring training and the best thing about the beginning of the season is that everybody has a chance. Well, that's true. And that's the best part about opening day. best part about spring training is that, you know what, everybody's healthy except for Luis Severino. So I'll have to go through that. <laughs> Look, I got to take him where I can get him. <laughs> As a Mets fan, that's kind of the way I work. And um, out there, Steve Cohen at the Mets. God, I hope that happens. And I'll tell you one thing: for Mets fans, you have hope, and and Knicks fans and Jets fans, you have hope because as much as Islander fans were really, really in the dogger in the '90s, 2000s, we went through. Damn it, John Spano for a while. What they are doing on Long Island right now and the push that they are making, as I referenced earlier with the trade this year, the push that they made is saying that this is a team that will will be here for a while. This is a team that we are investing in. This is a team that we are building an arena. This is a team that will last. And there is nothing better except you could – I know you'll agree, you being a Yankee and a Giants fan, there is nothing better than knowing that you have good ownership and that ownership is, is pushing into the team and plugging into the team. And that's Morgan saying goodbye. So for Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer. And Seth, for Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, backsportspace.com and Blog Talk Radio. With Morgan Kamins, we'll talk to you all next week. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.